Welcome to episode 18 of Playing It Wrong. This episode, oh, lots of stuff. As I started doing other podcasts, I'm going to start off with the technical and personal notes first. All right, ever some thought, one thing I'm going to do for the old podcast is probably give you a really one good episode a week. It's like at least half an hour or so. And then do the occasional drive-by episode like I've been doing and maybe a shorter episode during the week, time allowing and inspiration allowing. Now, kind of the reason of this is I kind of really need to get some of my stuff together. Okay, I'll say it bluntly. I need to get my shit together. Because, uh, you know, when you go on the Anchor, your your dashboard on Anchor, the first thing that pops up is your stats. So I kind of like, what are my blog stats like? And I realized that, so I looked, which I haven't done in a long time, and I do regularly, but I did. And, well, it's like half of what it was in 2016. And I also realized that I haven't published anything on RPG Now in like two years. Yeah. So I need to get my stuff together. But there's good news on the end of that. The good news is that just this last Thursday, we started up that Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells game that I've been talking about on the blog. And the bonus part that I stuck in there that I don't think anybody really noticed, that, yes, it is the playtest. I got permission from uh, Diojo to do a setting, to publish a setting for it. So my little setting is coming together, and there's going to be more on that. Future episodes, future blog posts. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for announcements. And with the... Uh, Tradition of Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, the PDF will be pay what you want, so stay tuned for that. Ah, so what's the other big news this week? Of course, the Ennies. I've already ranted on this a little bit, and, you know, I'm going to rant some more. Yay! All right, the Ennies. So I was spent most of the weekend going through my PDFs and stuff, and I realized through some um, weird quirk of fate, I didn't have a copy of the Midderlands, so i got to take care of that, but my gaming budget got blown last week when, at my FLGS... Very important. Support your FLGS. Ordered a hard copy of Frostbitten and Mutilated. I got the PDF, and I still think it's awesome. But I did also pick up the... I also got to order up uh, Harlem Unbound, and I think that's it. I got PDFs everything else. But the one thing I did look at was the quick start of the new RuneQuest, and damn, I got to save up money for that. So if anybody out there wants some gently used organs, uh, drop me a line, because I'm probably going to be looking for some more money. Don't worry, they're not my organs. And what else? Oh, yes, of course, the other big thing that I downloaded this weekend. The Pathfinder 2.0 playtest. So first I want to tell you a little bit about my history with Pathfinder. It was back in the day with the group I was playing with. Great guys and, and gals. I loved playing with them. That was the best. was for the people. They were great. They're wonderful people. They're still wonderful people. But Pathfinder... Well, 3.5 was the game. We got tired of it. 4th edition came along and... We didn't like it, so we went to Pathfinder. And we played the living crap out of it. We went through most of their adventure paths, and like I said, it was a blast. It was fun. But I really got tired of all the math and the feet chains and everything else, which, well, probably in a good way, that led me down the dark path to the OSR. So naturally, when they announced this, I just had to give it a look. And I was reading through the PDF until my brain started to hurt. Now, let me say this first. If you love Pathfinder, if you love everything that Paizo makes, if you give them money every month to send you whatever the heck they make, you're going to love Pathfinder 2.0 no matter what it ends up being like. 
If you're brand new to gaming, this is going to totally probably confuse you. 5e is much more user-friendly. If you're an old grognard, then just move right along. It really didn't have anything for you. So with that little disclaimer out of the way, what did I th think about what mechanics that I was able to puzzle out from the PDF? Imagine if Pathfinder and 5e got really, really drunk one night and forgot that they were cousins and had this weird flipper baby. That's kind of the feeling I got from Pathfinder 2.0. I know it's only a playtest document, but it was really kind of, it was poorly organized to try to make sense out of, and, you know, in my opinion, there's some stuff that kind of has the DNA of 5e, but it's probably got some stuff from Starfinder in there, which probably got DNA from 5e too, and it looks like I hit a little volume button, so you're going to hear changes in the volume level on this, anyway, so Pathfinder 2.0, oh god, um, yeah, my prediction is, like I was saying before, if you love Pathfinder, you will drink the Kool-Aid, jump right in. If you're brand new to Pathfinder and you have a good group, you may go for it, but I don't think it's going to make that big, biggest splash outside of its own own pond. But then, what the hell do I know? Anyway. Alright, on to fun stuff now. Let's go on to world building. That's right. Um, let's continue this series of world building. This time we're going to drill down to cities. Oh, actually, I'm going to we'll go back and do one little note of, I really need to work on that world map more. I looked at the blogs like, my God, that thing's ugly. So, yeah, there's going to be a new map coming up. Stay tuned to the blog for that. But let's talk about cities. In this particular case, I'm not talking about the small villages where, you know, the first, char first level characters go out and kill some kobolds that are raiding the farm fields, or raiding sheep or whatever. I'm talking about the big metropolises, the ones that really put a mark on the map. You know, the Lankmars, the Sanctuaries... Those kinds of cities. All right, in the world of Zune, I have three major cities. And I'm going to do these in reverse order as much as the player characters have um, explored them. So the least explored was Ularax. After they heard rumors, they immediately said, no way, we're not going there. Ularax is built in the caldera of a dormant volcano. Yes, I was inspired by Castles and Crusades adventure for this one. It is ruled by a witch queen. And it's the home of all the unwanted, uh, half-orcs, half-drow. Some of the lesser, totally evil monster races may hang out there. It's kind of a wild and party-like place. Now, it may sound kind of evil, but, and why would other places let, you know, such a city exist? Ah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. In the undercity of Ularax is the Lich King who has a whole collection of skulls of great philosophers, thinkers, warriors, mages, sages, and so forth throughout history. And, well, being a lich and all, he can do speak with dead really good, so he can communicate with the spirits and gain their counsel, which many a pragmatic king will occasionally do, even though they're dealing with a mean, evil, undead lich. Well, the guy's got marketable skills. I even had some adventure hooks for the players of, Ah, you want advice from the Lich King? Yeah, he's going to have you go to this dungeon and dig out this skull of this ancient philosopher. But all they heard is Lich and ran away. You know, cowards. You know, the city also has one of the best libraries of arcane and forgotten lore. And one of the most, we'll say, interesting marketplaces in the world. Next up is Taliston. Okay, approaching this city, it looks I mean, rather normal. And, you know, there's, on the road to the main gate, there's a few peasants selling some, you know, rather mundane odds and ends, which, uh, when I ran it, the player characters walked right past it and went to the city gate. 
And then things got interesting. Because you see, Talliston run is run by Sir Ogden of Talliston, who in his prime many decades ago was a great paladin. Now he's old, senile, and just a wee bit crazy, so he makes wee bit crazy laws. In this particular time, I have a chart, which I have since lost. But basically, it ended up that the cleric would have to get a banner with the holy symbol of their god and walk around that while they're in town. Uh, war warriors had to wear bright red baldrics to show their station as warriors. And all wizards and, and other spellcasters had to wear several bells about them so they would make lots of noise when they walked. Because, well, that's what we wanted to do, and that was the law. Like I said, I had a table from some crazy law somewhere, and I lost it. It's somewhere on the hard drive. I'll find it again. And the final city is the city of Garnax. This is one the player characters spent most time in. Uh, through two DCC campaigns, they spent most of their times around Garnax. So right now, Garnax, as like I said, I'm building a world. Um, between the first and the second games, um, I put Perils of the Sunken City from uh, Purple Sorcerer Games right next to it. So there's now a swap next to it. But Garnax is rather just a large metropolitan city. Its key feature is the floating tower of Garnax, which is, well, a great wizard. And uh, so the keys of the tower are sort of the holy grail of the um, I put them in one adventure. It's uh, the one who watches for DCC. And if you're familiar with that adventure, you know exactly where I put it. And I'll have you know those player characters ran away before even going into that room. So what are the oddities of Garnax? Well... Through play and necessity, we have learned that, one, one of the delicacies of the towns happens to be snails. They get them in the swamp. There are snail farmers in the swamp. While the floating tower is the highlight, um, the area beneath it, warped by magic, is usually, at best, in you know, dusk-like, low-light conditions. And generally, the poor people live there because they figure it out, so if the magic goes away, a whole tower falls down on the city, and that's a bad place to live. So that's where all the seedy characters hang out, you know, like player characters. Now, other interesting things that start off in the city is the night market, which happens at night in the normal marketplace, where, well, once again, player characters can go shopping for weird stuff, which, well, they're player characters. They do that. Uh, another interesting NPC, uh, speaking of the night market, is the head of the night market, the Lady Vasha, who keeps an albino dwarf on a leash and a and what apparently is a mute seneschal who just reads tarot cards and gives dirty looks to to player characters. And if you've been listening long enough, you'll know that I love you doing the Halfling Thieves Guild, and Boss Trotter is the Tony Soprano of Garnax, little halfling psychopath, that's right. This uh, city is also uh, has its own elven district where the elves kind of keep to themselves, sort of like a Chinatown. And, you know, oh, speaking of the night market, another interesting NPC that came up just as a impromptu one is the blind elf cartographer who makes maps by spirit writing. Now, the map may not take the player characters where they want to go, but it will take them where they need to go, or basically kind of where the DM wants them to go. You get the idea. So, those are the three major cities. I don't know, like, how, how, how do I go about thinking about cities? I think that one thing is each city has to have a hook, a quirk, a trademark. Think of it the Golden Gate Bridge of San Francisco, the Arch of uh, St. Louis, the freaking food in New Orleans. I mean, you get that. It's the thing that the city's known for. So like I said, Garnax has the tower. Talliston has the weird laws. Willorax has the witch king and some moral ambiguity. Now, I'm in no way trying to create a historically accurate or even anyway an accurate city or 
something with a sound economy would fit socioeconomic theory and everything else. It's for the story, and that's what it's for. The things that would interest, it's like making the world, it's things that are interesting to the player characters. And you have enough to know what's there and kind of improv along the way. But the good thing about cities is there are so many tools to run adventures and get player characters through cities and get them into trouble, which is you know, kind of what you want to do anyway. So here are my list of great city supplements that you've got to either go out and buy or be lucky enough to find. First, I'm going to do the elephant in the room that everyone talks about all the time when it's cities, and that's Vornheim. You know, I love it. I don't use all of it, but in my infamous DM notebook, I have got select charts that I think these are the charts I like. These are the ones I'm going to use. These get printed off and put in the notebook, and my hard copy kind of sits on the shelf, and I stare at it longingly. All right, next up for inspiration, if you can find them, by Blade Publishing, a division of Flying Buffalo. The City Books. Um, I've got City Book 1 and City called Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker and City Book 2, Port of Call. These are part of their all-system catalyst series. Now, these aren't really something to take to the game table, but they are something really good to sit down and get inspiration from for NPCs, for taverns, and everything else. Just they're, they're awesome inspirational books. Next up is Cities. This is by Chaosium, part of their Universal Supplement series. This is another old one that I don't think is in publication anymore. You might be able to find a PDF. Let's Encounter City Populating and Character Catch-Up by Steve Abrams and John Everson. This is another one of those old supplements. It's pretty much system neutral. Well, system neutral-ish. But once again, a whole bunch of charts and tables to do crazy stuff in your town. Even populating towns and villages. And the neat one in here also that we had fun with uh, back in the day, which I might do again, is the uh, character catch-up. So there's a whole set of charts in this one for that person who missed like several uh, sessions and they're behind in XP and they want to catch up with the other player characters. There's tables for that, but you must warn them. If they roll on this, their character may die off camera. But hey, it's a handy supplement. Next up, if you want to go treasure hunting in used bookstores, because I know the PDF of this is not available on DriveThruRPG now, and that would be Lankmar City of Adventure from TSR. Once again, this is very good for inspiration on cities. There, I mean, there's a few maps you can use, and there's a few charts for random encounters and some generic geomorph maps for taverns and stuff. But like the uh, city books by Blade, it's got some good inspiration in there for you. And finally, um, a PDF that just got in my hands, and I've got a logger post coming up on the blog about it. And if you didn't back the Kickstarter, then you're just going to have to wait a little longer for it. That's DCC's Lankmar. Oh my god, the box set. Even if you're not doing Lankmar Adventures, and even if you're not playing DCC, there's some really good charts and tables to run City Adventures, some good advice on running City Adventures. So you pair that up with, even if you pair it up with just Lankmar, or just Lankmar, idiot, no. If you pair it up with just Vornheim, you've got a good toolkit to run adventures and, and cities and even design and be inspired by what the heck to put in a city. So there you have it. You know, the cities in, in my primary fantasy world and the primary tools I use when running adventures in cities or being inspired to do adventures in cities. So, all right, for cities. Here's my guidelines and my thought. First, like I said before, you got to have a hook, a quirk, 
So the player characters, even though they may not remember the name of the city that you made up, they will go, oh, it's the one with the floating tower where we burn the inn down. Hopefully that narrows down to exactly which city they're talking about. Second, I don't care about demographics unless it's important to the story. I don't care about the if there's enough farmland around the city to feed a city of that size. This is a world where you can throw fireballs from your fingertips. This really isn't important unless it's a story point. Once again, you know, story trumps rules. In, in this case, you know, story trumps reality. You know, have to have that suspension of disbelief. I mean, really, people, you can throw fireballs, you got magic swords and elves. Don't worry about the agrarian economy. Now, I don't spend a lot of time populating a lot of NPCs in a city. I'll only do like a couple of ones that I think interesting or that I think the player characters may want to visit or may find interesting. Unvariably, someone will come up with something else that they want, and that's when you end up having to improvise again, which led to Garnax having a powerful witch named Ramona, whose daughters are a powerful wizard, and the other one is a very good assassin, which also led me to be inspired by Matt Finch's Jardoba game, when one of the player characters decided they want to find an alchemist who was a bit crazy and morally ambiguous and would make any kind of weird potion. So, hello, Dr. Omnibus. Go ahead and check out Matt Finch's uh, YouTube channel and his Patreon for the Jordoba games, the Heroes of Jordoba, Jordoba, and just search for Uncle Matt's D&D Studio. All right, let's see what we got for Collins this week. Uh, let's see, Colin called in about a Colin that I did to Colin about calling in to his show, and he thanked me for calling in. So thank you, Colin, for calling in, and uh, we have lots of Collins calling in. So, yeah, you know that. So, Colin, thank you. Um, I'm not playing because you just said thank you, and I want to thank you again for calling in, and thank you for calling in to everybody's Anchor Cast, man. You're, you're keeping that community going, and you're keeping it fresh, man. We love hearing from you. Oh, yes, and uh, we got this one in. Conan, what is the best retro clone? Crush your enemies with swords and wizardry. See them driven before the Labyrinth Lord and hear the lamentations of the Flame Princess. And that's what you get for not calling in me doing really bad impressions. But, you know, I think that would make a really cool t-shirt. I'll put that on my to-do list, anyway. So what do we have coming up? Well, I'm going to yak more about world building and cities and kind of winging it and let the players do a lot of work. I've got some ideas to do some crazy and wild stuff, but yeah, there's just ideas. Trust me, to come along. And, well, hey, if you're still listening after all this uh, rambling about, well, all the wonderful things of the Ennies Pathfinder 2.0 cities and me just making up the game as I go along, well, congratulations, you made it to the end. Thanks for listening. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B, not B, spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook to search for They Might Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. Intro music is Metal Mania by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution License. Please visit his website at incompetech.com. That's incompetech.com. Really, visit it. There's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper. Additional sound effects from freesound.org used under Creative Commons 01.0 Universal License.